Hello. Ceasefire talks between Russia and Ukraine are yet to agree a pause to the continuing crisis. Further sanctions targeting Moscow have been announced by the West in a week which also saw China's role and geopolitical stance come under scrutiny. Away from the crisis, the Fed yesterday raised rates for the first time since 2018 and signaled further rate rises to come in the months ahead to try to curb inflation. I'm Carsten Röhmheld and I'm joined again today to discuss these developments and more by Fidelity's Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey. Andrew, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. It's good to be with you again, Carsten. It's now been over three weeks since the outbreak of war in Ukraine with human tragedy continuing to shock the world. China's geopolitical stance on the conflict has been in the spotlight this week as the country also announced new COVID lockdowns. What impact have investors been grappling with and what else should they expect? So I think there's a number of things that we have to consider here and also the light of where we were as we came into the year and where we are now. So as we came into the year, uh, we thought that there was definitely signs of stabilization at an economic level. The extent of the regulation changes had been achieved and that it was how that's been through the economy. And that we'd started to see signs of stimulus, especially on the monetary front, coming through as well. And so leading to a slightly better perspective for the outlook for the Chinese economy and, and therefore um, potentially for markets. What we've seen, though, is a real challenge. That challenge has come from COVID reappearing and being uh, very influential onto locking down activity within China. We've also seen uh, you know, something that I think is um, a tail risk environment, obviously, that markets started to get a little bit more concerned with, is how China's part in either supporting Russia, staying neutral, or behaving in a way that really uh, reflects how you know, many of the um, uh, NATO and other aligned uh, countries have behaved. And so that just created uncertainty at a time when we saw these other economic influences that maybe have changed slightly into a more challenging outlook for the, the economy. And investors have had to try to take all of that on board. At the same time, we've had technical issues such as ADRs moving from the US to Hong Kong, that really is all about liquidity transition. But it came at a time where this confluence of events created high uncertainty, a great deal of concern and liquidation of positions that then created obviously you know, very severe losses, um, which have now seen you know, the authorities step in to provide some level of support and comfort uh, in the uh, picture for the future um, and in the present. China's role in the global economy is much bigger than that of Russia and therefore sanctions would have a much more severe effect around the globe if they were used against China. Would the Chinese leadership under these circumstances be likely to give up their neutral role in this war in your view? Well, I think that, again, many of the comments that have come out of China, especially this week, you know, very clearly reflected that they do respect the nation state that is Ukraine and the territory that comes with that that they also, importantly, are showing that they do want to make sure that, uh, you know, in terms of their activity, that they can help to achieve uh, something that would 
ultimately lead to an end to the war. Um, and again, I think that their desire is very much that uh, you know they focus on to what is important within China, which is you know achieving that regulatory change, um, you know ensuring common prosperity as that's such a key policy um, focus for them, and also getting their economy continuing to stabilize and obviously uh, improve as we see the year progress. And so, you know, with that in mind, I think that obviously tail risks have been introduced because you know, who knows how some of these events can play out. But I think the Chinese authorities have been very proactive this week in trying to engage more broadly across you know, the major nations to try and demonstrate that they are very keen to help to support how we get to um, you know, a better position than we've seen uh, uh, to date. And really, you know, again, when we look at how that's reflected into their comments around markets as well, is that they're trying to ensure that their capital markets can continue to function, that they are providing the environment for you know, development of the economy. And that's still very much their focus. Do you expect the effect from the COVID lockdown to be more than a bit short term? So I think the challenge there is at the moment we don't know, but uh, but the actions that they've taken, um, you know, suggest that they are trying to ensure that they can continue to function as an economy, that they get through lockdowns quickly. But again, that you know there will be a number of factors here. Can they roll out you know? effective vaccination programs? Can they ensure that they are, you know, gradually moving to a position where, you know, given the demographics of the, the country, that they don't allow COVID just to, you know, run, um, uh, you know, very rapidly through the, uh, the country as a whole. And so there are a number of uh, elements, I think, that at the moment are far from clear. But I think, again, back to what are they trying to achieve, that they're trying to manage to a position where as the year develops, they can support the economy, they can work their way through these COVID challenges, they can reintroduce you know, the supply chain challenges they feel today you know, to a more functioning environment as the year progresses, and that they can provide the stimulus that ensures that overall that they can see their way through what are these challenges and that they, I'm sure, are planning on them being you know, shorter term rather than long term in nature. Coming to the central banks, the Fed raised its interest rate for the first time since 2018. At the Federal Reserve, we are strongly committed to achieving the monetary policy goals that Congress has given us, maximum employment and price stability. Today, in support of these goals, the FOMC raised its policy interest rate by one quarter percentage point. The economy is very strong and against the backdrop of an extremely tight labor market and high inflation, the committee anticipates that ongoing increases in the target range for the federal funds rate will be appropriate. How have markets reacted to the news? I guess the surprise was rather in the dodds than in the hike itself? Yes, so I think everyone expected that there was going to be a rate rise, uh, that it had pretty much uh, focused on it being 25 base points, as uh, Jerome Powell told us it was going to be 25 base points. Um, and the focus then on some of the other um, characteristics embedded into comments or the output from the Fed. I think it's interesting to see the terminal rate has gone down very slightly. Um, the nature of the speed of moves continues at pace and based on those uh, uh, the dot plots that's from here. Um, and that's something I think that market terms, obviously immediately we saw volatility across the breadth of markets, but how they've uh, you know, 
come through into the next day is that two things really sort of stand out. It's one that, uh, you know, the expectations that you know, yields will continue to, uh, uh, to move higher. But what it's also done is continue to flatten the curve, even invert it in places, and suggesting that the market feels that that trajectory of rate rises actually increases the risk of growth coming off very rapidly and if not leading to recession. And I think that's the part where, again, as you saw from the way that stock markets um, behaved, is that you know, initial reaction was you know, to think that actually they won't follow through. There will be some degree of um, uh, stabilization, whereas the bond market is telling you that the policy risk um, is actually quite high at this point forward if they follow through on what they're saying they're going to do. The ECB also provided a hawkish surprise in their wording, at least in the last meeting. Do you expect them now to follow suit? So I still feel, and much like uh, for the Fed, is that as we go through into Q2, the consistency of policy setting to keep up the sort of narrative that started around this more hawkish profile will gradually ease off, partly because the data will start to show some of the challenges on the real economy, as we see a number of the maybe uh, coincident and even leading indicators looking very much weaker for our economic activity uh, going forward. The inflationary pressures are likely still to be high, but I think that the Uh, narrative has to move more towards trying to balance those out rather than the focus onto the inflationary pressures. So again, I don't think it's something immediately, but I think the Bank of England, with their rate move and the comments that they've made around that, implying a slightly more dovish outlook, actually is a lead indicator to what we'll see happening from the ECB and the Fed as we go through the next few months, that you may see more policy moves, as in ECB starts to take back some of its buying programs and the Fed does move rates further. But the nature of that trajectory and the degree of increases accelerating is very unlikely. And I think they will be starting to pull back on that message as we go through Q2 and Q3. It's a very complex picture for global central banks. We've seen quite a rebound in global risk assets, especially also in China this week. How do you think about risk assets overall and what implications have recent events got in how you think about asset allocation? So I think the main thing is that um, uh, you know, we clearly have seen the markets get to a point where risk has been taken off the table, that sentiment had got uh, you know, very weak and um, very bearish in some uh, risk assets. Uh, and so you've had the chance for a degree of stabilization where things were very oversold that any good news could be sort of you know, magnified in terms of uh, market reaction. However, you know, when we look at what still lies ahead, as in that there's still concerns around how long the conflict um, through Russia's invasion could last, uh, what the consequences of that are, as we still see the sort of second, third order effects, uh, you know, both into economies more broadly, but also into supply chains, into how different companies can respond to this. And as we think through uh, you know, the economic impact and the degree to which that's truly discounted, then I think that, again, we would be slightly cautious at looking at you know, risk assets and not being too early to um, believe that the, uh, the worst has passed. However, I think it's important that, again, looking at markets in their individual context, so you know, in credit, 
how much has been discounted you know what is the degree to which this premium gives an opportunity looking at better quality credits now that possibly is more interesting um, uh, you know where are the markets especially when we look again to China to Asia that have discounted significant risk of default levels increasing and actually most probably the picture is stabilizing and so maybe you have a bit more excess premium that is attractive uh, there but for the equity markets again uh, you know just having to think through the degree to which have we seen some of the supply chain cost pressures as our analyst survey has highlighted again this week um, and the risk in deteriorating forward-looking sentiment from many managements because of what they see of order books and the ability to pass this through in terms of maintaining margins you know these are still to play out in full and so as a consequence it's not that uh, necessarily the markets um, will go down further but we need to see more information before we believe they can properly recover and have an opportunity set that is attractive to be able to invest more aggressively and raise our risk profile. And so at the moment, Carsten, we will maintain you know, slightly more uh, defensive posture, you know, be a little bit more patient, see how some of these risks around the tail risk environment play out and then um, look to uh, follow through maybe later in terms of looking for what we hope will be you know, medium-term value being created. So probably more volatile times ahead. We had better leave it there for this week. Thank you again for joining me, Andrew. You can read more from Andrew and our investment teams on the ongoing impact of the crisis in Ukraine on your local Fidelity website or at fidelityinternational.com. Thank you for listening. The producer today was Holly Eastman with technical support from Callum Blitz. From all of us at Fidelity, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.